Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop singer. Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad and the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the King, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Time once again for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill back with you as the M's did it again. Man, they are rolling offensively, and they steamroll the Texas Rangers in game four of the series. They take the series. 10-4 the finale last night as the Mariners win the series. The only downside to last night is the Minnesota Twins just not cooperating whatsoever. They get a walk-off win again, second night in a row with a dramatic victory. The Twins have won three in a row. The Mariners have won three in a row, but no ground gain. Three and a half back as the Mariners now up a game, 74 73, a game above 500, and they'll take on the Houston Astros starting tonight. A huge three game weekend series. I keep saying huge when you're talking about games or series or whatever. This time of year in the race, everything is enormous. So we'll talk about that series coming up in just a moment. First, let's head into the game last night, and man, there's a ton that happened in this one, including Kyle Seeger going deep again. Cashner ready, fires away, swing and a well-hit ball deep into the gap in right center field, going, going, goodbye baseball over the Rangers' bullpen into the lower deck in right center field. Kyle Seeger, yes, he does love hitting here at Globe Life Park, his 12th career home run at this ballpark, his 25th home run of the season with Nelson Cruz aboard, and it's the Mariners two and the Rangers nothing here in the top half of the second. What a shot by Seager. Already his sixth of the month, his 25th of the season. He got the Mariners nice and rolling, a 2-1 to lead in the second inning. In the fifth inning, three more runs come home as the floodgates really opened in this one. Yonder Alonso, big ball game, three for four, three RBIs. He cleared the bases with one big swing. The pitch on the way to Alonso, swing and a line drive down the right field line. A fair ball into the corner. Here comes Cano on to score from third. Cruz running third. 
being waved in. He'll score. Seager rounding third, heading home, being waved in. The throw in is cut off and now dropped by Odor. Kyle Seager scores in at second. Goes Yonder Alonzo with a bases clearing three run double. Holy smokes, and the Mariners now lead the Rangers 5 to 1 here in the top of the fifth inning. Yonder Alonzo with his third base hit tonight drives in three. Three in the fifth, four in the sixth, one in the seventh. They just poured it on. Nelson Cruz, a massive night. Four for four, four runs, two ribbies, and a big home run. 2 2. Swing, it's a high tailing fly ball deep down by the pole in right field. It bangs off the pole for a home run the opposite way. Nelson Cruz, are you serious? He just hit a high slicer that was ticketed for a foul ball almost midway up the foul pole and right his 109th RBI of the season. It is a new career best and fitting that it comes in his old stomping grounds here in Arlington. Home run number 33, Nelson Cruz. It's now 10-1 Mariners. Another big night for Mike Zanino. A hit, two more walks, drives in a run. He continues to sizzle. All in all, 11 hits, <laughs> nine walks. Mariners living on base. They win 10-4. Andrew Albers out of the pen. Excellent again. Gives up a three-run home run. But that was it. Five innings of three-hit three-run ball fan six so he gets the win but probably the biggest story of it all Felix Hernandez the king taking the start for the first time in a long time and he gave the Mariners a solid start three and two-thirds three hits one run earned no walks three strikeouts did it on 54 pitches looked sharp didn't walk anyone a good start for Felix Hernandez. Here's the stretch and the 0-2 pitch. It is strike three called on the inside corner with a fastball. Felix Hernandez with his first strikeout of the night. So a ton to feel good about as the Mariners take the series in Texas. Here's what the skipper Scott Service had to say. It's a long sixth inning. Um, it's fortunate for us we were on the good side of it. But uh, a great effort by our guys tonight. I think, you know, after losing the first game of the series here, kind of regrouping, understanding where we were at, and I thought our urgency our intensity level uh, was right on point you know the last three nights uh, offense is really <laughs> driving the car right now uh, you know Cruz awesome night tonight big knock uh, you know three run double by Alonzo really got us going you know Seager the big home run early so a lot of guys contributing it's been different guys every night uh, but it's been driven by our offense and the guys are really swinging the bats well right now I have to believe that this is about as, as well as you could have hoped for for Felix tonight it was, yeah. You know, I thought Felix, he threw strikes. You know, that was a big thing. Get him in swing mode, uh, you know, to kind of keep the pitch count in check, to get as much out of him as we could. Um, you know, I was hoping for three innings. We got a little bit more than that. So he almost got through the fourth. But uh, I thought he threw the ball well. Um, you know, not his best stuff, but he got the curveball going. The fastball was located. And, uh, you know, he got them to put the ball on the ground a little bit and got some early in the count outs, which helped him to get deep. So good sign. Um, you know, next time out, hopefully, we'll, you know, obviously, we'll, we'll try to stretch him a little bit farther. Was it hard on your, your bullpen with those long stretches of sitting? I mean, Albers is ready, and then he just sat forever, and then ready, sat forever. It, it is challenging. Uh, and certainly, I thought Albers did an awesome job tonight. I think they give us five innings uh, coming out of the bullpen for the first time, you know, with us. But that's not easy. You know, we had the long innings on offense, like you said. He's sitting there waiting, waiting. And when you have a lead like that, you just want to go out and get outs, and you got to still pitch. And he, stepped, he kept pitching, did a great job. He's got that sixth inning 
You guys just grinded every at bat, and that's kind of what you want, isn't it? That hitting right there, the way you guys did that. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> that's the model. That's the blueprint. Um, and at times, you know, during the course of this season, we've got a little impatient. Guys trying to do too much, and then guys really uh, are relying on each other right now and all in on, the, hey, don't give me a pitch to hit, I'll let the guy behind me do it. Kind of like what happened when Seager's at bat. You know, they were pitching around him, no problem. Alonzo walks up there, gets the big knock. That's what it takes. You know, up and down the lineup, everybody believing in each other and, you know, guys are swinging the bat really well right now. Speaking really. of swinging the bat, well, I was going to say Cruz, I mean, how hard he hit the ball. We kind of ooh and all over it. You guys like, yeah, that's Cruz. Yeah, something earlier in the game happened that got his attention. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he had really good swings after that. Speaking of urgency, the Rangers bringing Beltre back a lot sooner than they were talking about. Is that one of the a sign of urgency in your mind? Oh, no doubt. You know, Adrian Beltre is one of the better players in the league. He wants to be out there and help his team. You know, and I totally understand it. Didn't surprise me that he was in there tonight. He's going to try to do whatever he can to to help his club. But uh, you know, uh, that's just where we're at in the season. Yonder, that was pretty clutch hit. He's giving a nice lift here. Yonder swung by really well. Um, you know. He controls the strike zone very well, also, and gets his pitch to hit. You know, jumped on a pitch, on a curveball from from Cashner there, and you know, big knock, kind of broke the game open there. And then we, we had some add-on runs after that. But uh, again, the, the, the middle of our lineup is going pretty good right now. And uh, I think you know, from Hanager, you know, Segura chips in a little bit. Cano really done a ton in this series, and still we put up big numbers. So. Uh, we're looking forward to going to Houston. You know, we didn't play well against them at home. The uh, games were tight. We played okay, but they got some the big hits late in the game, so hopefully it'll turn around when we go down there. This was against a pitcher that's given you trouble in, in the past. Uh, how much of that approach was that, and how much is just kind of where you're at right now? Yeah, our guys made, made him get on the plate. And I think that's a big thing. Make him get the ball over the plate. They'll chase early in counts. He was very aggressive with his fastball first time through the lineup. Then he went to more of the, the curveball slider second third time through so our guys had a good plan they were ready to go and they executed it all right on to houston now for big three game series starts tonight mariners and astros game one of the series james paxton will take the ball for the m's paxton it's been a while since he started so we'll see what he has against houston charlie morton will take the ball for the houston astros morton this year has been strong this season, 11 and 7, a 3.86 ERA, 147 punch-outs and 128 in the third innings. So the Mariners take on Morton. Last time out against Oakland goes 5, gives up 6 hits, 2 runs, same exact start the time before that, 5 innings, 2 earned runs. Time before that against the Angels, 5 innings, 3 earned runs. So he's been effective. He has not gone deep into ball games. So we'll see what James Paxton can give. He has absolutely dominated the Houston Astros this year. But keep in mind, he is on a strict pitch count. He won't be going deep into the ball game. But we'll see what the Mariners get from Paxton uh, tonight. Also tonight, big one, Blue Jays taking on the Twins again. Twins walked off the Blue Jays last night. Man, Mariners looking for some help against Minnesota. Jay Happ for the Blue Jays. Bartolo Colon for Minnesota tonight. That becomes huge. The Angels will go to Texas. They'll take on the Rangers starting tonight. So big series right there, although the Mariners will take on Texas again. So they have uh, destiny in their own hands, I guess, when you talk about the Rangers. But right now, all eyes squarely on the Minnesota Twins. Mariners need some help against Minnesota. They'll be looking to the Blue Jays to try and gain ground. And, of course, the Mariners have to continue to take care of their own business, and they did last night. Big three games. 
Who knows what they'll be when we talk on Monday. Three games between now and then. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope the Mariners have a great weekend as well. So there it is. Picks to click. Driven by Dwayne oh, hold Lane's it. Hold it. Where's Zanino? No one. So you, you I got, got I got Zanino. Come okay. on. Kevin Kruger's okay. Kevin right. Any prediction to go along with it? He's going to belt one out of the ballpark. I'll okay. give you that. The stretch by Hatcher delivers. Swing and a fly ball deep into the gap. In right center field, going and going. Goodbye baseball. He did it. Mike Zanino with his 21st home run of the year. Ties the game at 6-6. Here in the bottom of the eighth inning, Zanino red hot over the last three weeks. And opposite field, solo blast by Mike Zunino. 22,000 plus are on their feet here at Safeco. And we've got a brand new ball game. Our 40th anniversary series continues. We get to visit with Dan the Man Wilson, Mariners Hall of Famer. And I'm gonna start right there. What does it mean to you to hear that? Mariners Hall of Famer, Dan Wilson. Uh, it's, it's humbling on one hand, uh, obviously, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you play and hope for those kinds of things uh, at the end of your career. But um, I think I was really the, the beneficiary of a lot of great players around me and, and uh, you know, kind of elevated, uh, forced me to elevate my game a little bit. And, and uh, you look at some of the guys I was fortunate to play with, um, you know, the, the Griffies, the, the, the Rod, uh, A-Rods, the you know, Edgar, Jay, uh, Jamie Moyer, Randy Johnson. I mean, those are the kind of guys that uh, – you know, they bring their A game and they make you bring your A-plus game. And, and uh, so I was fortunate to be around a lot of those kind of players. Let's turn back the hands of time. You came up with the Cincinnati Reds, traded over to the Mariners. What do you remember your first reaction getting traded to the Mariners? Um, I, I was down in winter ball. I was down in Puerto Rico, and um, I remember getting a call from my wife on the hotel phone because we didn't have cell phones then. Uh, and she mentioned that uh, someone had just called her from Cincinnati. I think it was a reporter and mentioned that I had been traded. And so she, she called me right away. And, and so it was one of those things where I didn't really know what had happened um, and, and then found out later that you know I had been traded uh, to, to Seattle. And um, you know, Lou had been in Cincinnati from 90 to 92, so I, I knew Lou, I knew of him, and, and uh, had played for him uh, briefly when he was still in Cincinnati. So, um, you know, I, you, you always hope that there's someone that, that you knew uh, early on that, that, that might give you an opportunity down the line, and, and certainly uh, I'm grateful for Lou for that because he did give me an opportunity here in Seattle, and, and uh, I was grateful for that. What was it like playing for Lou Pinella? Um, we don't have enough time, Gary, <laughs> but uh, great manager, a great manager and, and a guy, uh, you know, I would say he was more of a veterans manager. I think, uh, you know, he, he, he was tougher on young guys and, and uh, I think uh, young guys responded one way or the other to that and, and uh, it, it, it made some young guys very tough and, and uh, made them bring their best uh, and some guys couldn't couldn't deal with that um but but at the same time i, I think uh some of the coaching staff that he would assemble around him were, were, were great coaches and, and i know that i was certainly fortunate uh to work with lee Ilya, and, and he was a guy that really taught me how to hit at the big league level and and uh so i was grateful for that and and uh you know just uh again not only playing with good players but being around good coaches uh being around a lupinella uh you know you couldn't help but learn a lot about this game you mentioned some of the great players you played with. And Randy Johnson, one of the greatest pitchers this game has ever seen. But it took him a while to get there, and you were a part of that catching him. What was it like catching him in that transition, you know, becoming one of the greatest pitchers we've ever seen? 
Yeah, I think thankfully uh, when I got here in '94, um, he had really uh, kind of honed in on mm-hmm. his on his delivery, on his uh, uh, release to home plate. I think he was a guy that was was throwing a lot more strikes than he had been used to in the past. Um, so I was pretty fortunate that way, but. Uh, you know, there was still that fear that he was going to let one go that uh, you just weren't going to be able to get to. And it happens a lot. But, um, you know, I think the thing that impressed me about Randy was that um, as good as he was and as, as much of a power pitcher as he was, uh, he was still kind of perfecting his craft and, and for a while was working on a bit of a two-seamer, for a while was working on a bit of a, a change-up. And uh, I think those were pitches for him later on as, you know, velocity went down. Uh, that he was able to utilize a little bit more effectively and, and, and become more of a pitcher, as, as all good pitchers do. And, and uh, so, I, you know, he was a great talent, uh, a hard guy to catch, you know, in terms of <laughs> phys- physically he was 6'10 and, and uh, had that delivery where he was, you know, close to home plate when he let her go and, and the good movement. And that was back when not many guys threw 95. And so you, you had to, to, to be uh, at your best uh, when you were behind the plate for him. Well, we introduced you as Mariners Hall of Famer Dan Wilson. We could introduce you as All-Star Dan Wilson, going to the 1996 All-Star Game. What was that experience like? Uh, crazy. I mean, uh, I think that the one nice thing for me was I was able to share that with about four teammates, yeah. and, and that was very, very special. All of us, you know, flying from Texas uh, where we played on that night before and, and flying into Philadelphia and, and being a part of all the festivities. I mean, it's just such a special treat, a special honor to be a part of that. Uh, you know, and just to, just to walk into the clubhouse and see the names on the on the lockers, and and uh, it was just a great thrill from from beginning to end. And and it's something, you know, you, you don't set out for individual achievements or individual awards, but that's certainly something that when you experience it, uh, you, you feel pretty blessed to have gone through it. When you think about your Mariners career, is there one moment that stands out above all others? I mean, it, it, it's got to be, you know, the, the 95. To me, it's, it's the, the, the slider to Tim Salmon uh, that was borderline, uh, <laughs> but we'll take it. Um, but to me, that, just that moment, I think, for me, was, was uh, pretty special. And, and uh, I know for a lot of guys, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty pivotal moment in, in all of our careers. And to experience it together uh, as a group of guys, as, as a family, so to speak, uh, what a special treat. And, and to come from where we were and to put it all together into that one ball game was, was pretty exciting. What was that run like? I mean, it was amazing just day in and day out, tracking down the Angels, eventually getting them, beating the Yankees. What an incredible run. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And I think um, I, I think the, the feeling that of coming to the ballpark knowing you were going to win the game and just not sure how it was going to actually happen, <laughs> but you knew you were going to win a ball game. That's a good feeling. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, we, we did play very, very well down that stretch. Angels played equally poorly, and I think that was, you know, something that sometimes gets overlooked is, is they had to, to kind of lose 10 in a row. We won 10 in a row, and that, that's a huge swing and uh, got, got us back into the race. Had that not happened, I think it would have been obviously a different race. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, playing that many games and, and coming to a, to a, to a kingdom that was alive like it was um, and knowing you were going to win a game and it could have been one through nine or it could have been a guy on a bench that was going to do something to help you win that game was it was a really strong feeling how gratifying is it when you look up at the banners I mean you were a part of uh, I mean you're part of those teams you're part of Mariners history when you look at some of the greatest moments in Mariners history 
Uh, it, yeah, I mean, sometimes you, you pinch yourself because, uh, you know, you're just not sure that it actually happened. And the, the, <laughs> the more further you get away from it, the, the more you realize, man, that was a long time ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, as you look at the banners, I mean, each year was very different from the other. And, and 95 was obviously, you know, one of the most exciting. It was the first time we made the playoffs. Um, 97, I remember being very different because we had sort of been expected to win. And that's a different feeling when you've expected to win and then you actually kind of come through and, and follow up on that. That was a, a good feeling of accomplishment. And then 2000 coming in as a wild card and, and, and beating the Chicago White Sox, who were world beaters at that time. Um, and then and then the 2001 season when it was 116 wins. I mean, each year had such a different feeling to it, uh, but all uh, pr- pretty pretty exciting. Dan, I could talk to you about this for hours <laughs> and hours and hours, but thank you for sitting down. Thanks for sharing some memories with us. Gary, it's always a pleasure. Hello, everybody. Charlie Furbush here. Another edition of Bullpen Banter. Today, my special guest is Mike Zanino, the walk-off hero from last night's game. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing well. How you doing, Charlie? I'm doing fantastic. So, a little brief you on uh, Bullpen Banter. Just going to get to know you a little bit. Have a little fun with it. So, uh, don't be afraid to be yourself, all right? Perfect. Sounds good. Nice, nice. So, where did you grow up? Uh, Cape Coral, Florida. Where is that? Is that uh, on the coast? or? That's uh, southwest Florida, right near Fort Myers, where they have the other half of spring training. Okay, all right. Nice, nice. Now, have you been playing baseball your whole life? Ever since I can remember, that's for sure. Nice. Were you always a catcher? Uh, no, I actually played shortstop throughout Little League and uh, my freshman year of high school, and then sort of my sophomore year of high school, and on. I've been catching ever since. All right. So they thought you weren't quick enough for short? Is that what it was? Yeah, I don't think I was covering enough ground. Uh, all right, all right. Fair enough. Well, you're doing a hell of a job behind the plate. Can I say that? On? Yeah. I can say that? Okay, cool. I can, that's good. So tell me a little bit about your parents. What are their names? You know, What do they do? What's, what's up with them? Uh, Greg and Paula Zanino uh, are my parents. My mom actually uh, does condominium management down in Cape Coral. Uh, my dad's been a scout for 22 years now. He's uh, been with the Reds, the Expos, and the Marlins, and uh, he's sort of busy doing his thing. He's still doing that for uh, as long as he can, trying to stay in the game, and uh, my mom just sort of follows me and uh, does her thing. Nice. So uh, I got some inside information saying uh, your mom was an outstanding softball player right here? Yeah, she played for the Italian national team. The the old joke was that I got my defensive skills from her and my hitting from my dad because uh, he couldn't field with a lick, so. (laughs) That's awesome. Good stuff. Do they, they uh, or does your mom still play every now and again, maybe uh, in town somewhere? No, no. She uh, she stopped. Last time I think she played uh, was back when I was playing in Little League. They had like a, a parent and a son game, but uh, I think that was the last time I seen her play. Cool, cool. So with your dad being a scout, I'm sure you must have traveled around doing camps, doing everything, checking checking the world out, trying to get your name out in the baseball world. Uh, so did, did you do some camps? Did you... Did you meet some cool players growing up? Yeah, I was able to uh, do some traveling around. Uh, when he was with the Reds, I was able to go to their spring training uh, complex in Sarasota to meet a few guys. Met Barry Larkin, uh, Aaron Boone, all those guys when they were there. And, uh, yeah, he was just one of those always brought me around, so I was always around baseball growing up. Awesome. Did you have a favorite player growing up? Uh, well, my dad got with the Reds. I, I really liked Barry Larkin. Uh, I mean, I got to meet him and just, just the way he played the game and uh, sort, of, sort of related to me when I was talking to him, just sort of opened my eyes about being a good guy when I'm playing the game. Nice. Did you uh, you play any other sports growing up? No, no. I played a little bit of soccer growing up when I was when I was little. But uh, once I could play baseball full time, that's sort of what I what I started doing. Awesome, awesome. So what do you uh, what do you do for fun besides coming to the ballpark and having the best job in the world? 
Oh, man. Uh, but besides having the best job in the world, I, I sort of relaxed in season, trying not to do too much. But uh, no, in the off season, me and my buddies, like, they were golfing, fishing, uh, playing video games, sort of no, normal guy stuff. If, uh, if you had to pick one job other than baseball, let's say when it's all said and done, you play 20 plus years in the big leagues, you have a great career, you know, what, what do you think you'll be doing after that? Uh, probably what we were talking about in the outfield today. <laughs> uh, I think I would uh, want to be in some type of radio or uh, broadcasting. Uh, it looks like you're having fun interviewing me, so I think I would, I think I'd want to turn the tides on you a couple times. Oh, perfect. Well, maybe maybe we'll just take over Rick's job when when he's all done. If that's yeah, all, if that's all, is that all right with you? That's fine with me. Yeah. Oh, all right. Nice, <laughs> nice. It's so, all right. We're gonna do some rapid fire questions here. So do a little quick. See see how quick we can get it. Uh, we'll just start with. Facebook or Twitter? Uh, Twitter. Do you have a Twitter handle? I do. At uh, Mike Zanino, uh, underscore in between the Mike and the Zanino. Let's go breakfast burrito or breakfast quesadilla? Oh, burrito. Taco Bell or KFC? Taco Bell. Gatorade or Powerade? Gatorade. Nike or Mizuno? Nike. Uh, you do wear Nike stuff. Even though you wear, what, Mizuno? Mizuno glove. They do Mizuno have glove? Gloves. They do have great okay. gloves. What's your favorite city that you've been to so far, whether it's minor leagues, big leagues, even though you maybe haven't been there yet? What's, what's been a memorable city for you? Uh, I really like going down to L.A., but uh, I'm really liking Seattle. Being down here, uh, it's nice to play in front of a home crowd. Uh, it's a great city, and I, I'm sort of enjoying how it has a little bit of everything. Awesome, awesome stuff right there. Florida State or Florida? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Florida, i have to go with that one. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, what was that like playing in the College World Series? You went there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I was able to go there all three years I was there, and uh, it was fun. I mean, uh, two of the years we went two and done, so, I mean, it, it was a brief uh, stay there. But I uh, was able to make it to uh, the finals and uh, lost uh, to Smoky, South Carolina, uh, Gamecocks, in uh, the championship series my sophomore year. But, no, it was, it was a great learning experience, a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, I, I went to LSU. I was a Tiger, so uh, we didn't we didn't really make it too far when I was there. But I know they won it a couple years after, so. Go Tigers, right? Yeah. No? Yeah, yeah. sure. Huh? Yeah, go yeah? Okay, all right. I'll side with you more than Smokey, that's for sure. <laughs> so last night for me, that was uh, my first experience of dumping the Gatorade on somebody, and it just so happened to be you. Did you, uh, did you even see it coming? No, no. I, I, I had a feeling once it was that late that uh, I, I wasn't going to get it. Ah. But uh, I, as, as I saw... Saw everyone starting to scatter over there near the cameras and stuff. I knew something was coming. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to thank you because I got a little picture in the paper for it. So <laughs> that, that was just outstanding. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's going to wrap it up for our most recent edition of Bullpen Banter with my special guest, Mike Zanino. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Thanks for having me, Charlie. All right. That'll do it, folks. Another week. We'll see you next week. See you later! It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.